You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I think this was the the moment that I was most worried he would relapse, hearing his mother has breast cancer three months after his dad's death. And he looked at me and he said, of course you fucking do. He was very upset, and I get it. We didn't know how bad it was. We didn't know the prognosis at this time. They're just thinking, oh my God, my mother could die three months after my dad. My guests today are Christy and Nicole. They are here today to talk to us about the role that support people play in recovery. Welcome to the show, ladies. I'm Christy Chavez. I'm the mother of a 26-year-old, 31-month recovering heroin addict. Um, My son, he relapsed or, you know, has been in recovery three, four, five, six times. We don't know how many. We just, we landed on four just because it made it easier for us to get through these, but it was probably more than that. Um, He has been, he he used heroin from like 16 or 17 to 20 25. So it was, it was a pretty long time that we went through this with my son. And so I'm, I'm going to kind of tell you our amazing story and hopefully it'll give people hope um, that recovery is possible even when, you know, these traumas or emotional traumas happen. And also keep in mind that As we were going through all of these emotional and physical traumas, my son was a newly recovering 25-year-old heroin addict. So that's pretty amazing. On June 10th, 2018, my son checked himself back into rehab for, like I said, we landed on four for heroin addiction. When he checked in, of course, they drug test you. And after detox, I think it was day five, this amazing counselor, we love, 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 Doug, walked down the hall and he had this piece of paper in his hand. And he said to Tanner, we only see these readings in autopsies. He said, you should not be alive. My son had 14 different drugs in his system. I didn't know there were 14 different drugs. And (laughs) um, he said, you know, I've done this 35 years. I'm even a recovering addict myself. He said, you are the best drug addict I've ever seen in my life. He said, you you're the best, you've made it, you never have to do drugs again. And he looked at him and he said, and you will die. He said, there's no doubt you're that good, you will die. And I think Tanner really took that to heart because he had somewhat of a clear head at that moment. And he wasn't, you know, trying to survive, you know, in the middle of his addiction. You know, we spent 30 days with him. um, And at this time, uh, my husband was not doing really well. He was not feeling well, but he was seeing a doctor. So um, he couldn't attend the stuff with us, but me and Nikki, you know, spent 30 days with Tanner Um, at the time, you know, I have a a very stressful job. A lot of employees worked for me. I was dealing with Tanner and, and then dealing with a sick husband. So I was getting pretty physically and emotionally exhausted just as the days went by. I brought Tanner home on July 13th. And he went on a camping trip with some of the recovering addicts he had met, which is a good thing. And on July 15th, I found my husband dead. Of course, we were devastated, shocked. We were already physically and emotionally exhausted. Um, And of course, 
one of the first things in our heads was, oh my gosh, Tanner's only been clean 35 days. This, this could be a huge trigger. And when we say it could be a trigger, remember that we're the support people. So we don't know what triggers an addict. We're just assuming that the death of someone's father could be a trigger, right? Only an addict knows. Of course, we were, we were very worried and Tanner drove by the house and he saw the commotion, all the cops, the, the paramedics. It was a nightmare. I was a suspect there for a minute. It was really fun. And he called my cell phone and he kept wanting to, you know, us to tell him. So my wonderful son-in-law, her husband, you know, I said, Lance, you got to talk to him. I, I can't, I can't even think. And so Lance just said, you know, Tanner, we need you to come home. And Tanner was like, what's going on? What's going on? And Lance said, it's not, it's not, it's not about you. We just need you to come home. Cause we did not want to tell him without us altogether. It, it was too big of a, an issue to, to tell someone over the phone. You know, we're, incre- we were incredibly close before this stuff happened, but these things like changed our lives. We're even more close than we were before this. And so we knew we had to be with him. And so he came into the house and we said, you know, dad had passed and he was very upset like the rest of us. And he, he went outside and he kind of did whatever he had to do. And we told him, Tanner, you can't relapse. Me and Nikki cannot handle. We're physically and emotionally exhausted. Now we have this physical and emotional trauma of your dad's death that we now have to deal with. You cannot relapse. We need you. And he said, you know what? I won't. And he didn't, which was an amazing thing. So on September 11th, he was in this horrible car wreck on a busy freeway in Utah. He was hurt, but not really bad because he was in my husband's truck and it kind of protected him. He was standing out in front of the truck and he could hear some screaming and he looked around and he saw this SUV had rolled with this semi that was part of uh, the wreck. And so he ran over there, jumped a fence, cut his leg open, jumped on top of the SUV. And there was this mother and her three children and they were trapped in the car. So he rescued the mother and her three children out of the car and got them to safety. And I always say, yeah, the, re- the heroin addict is the big hero on site, which is an amazing thing. <laughs> there was a, he was on the news. There was a great article written about him. The thing that was really unfortunate at the time is he deserved so much more credit and more attention, but we were exhausted. We couldn't believe one more. He couldn't believe one more thing had happened. You know, we were like going, oh my God, not one more thing. And so he did not relapse over that one either. And I wasn't really as worried about that as I was the other ones. And then on October 24th, I was diagnosed with breast cancer three months after my husband died. Of course, we're, one more thing is happening. We just cannot believe. And so I was told at work, which was pretty brutal. <laughs> and I called my beautiful daughter, who was so amazing, lover. And I said, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. And of course, I'm sure she was shocked. I'm not going to say how she felt. I mean, I'd imagine she's shocked, stunned, devastated, but she did the amazing thing. Mom, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And then I had to tell my son. And I think this was the, the moment that I was most worried he would relapse hearing his mother has breast cancer three months after his dad's death. So I drove home. I don't, I don't remember driving home, which (laughs) 
it's not a good thing, but is a reality. And I, I walked into his room and I sat on the bed and he knew it wasn't good because I never even go in his room anyway, a 25 year old kid. Uh, and I said, Tanner, I have breast cancer. And he looked at me and he said, of course you fucking do. And he, you know, when you're in these stressful moments, you either go to fight, fight or flight. And he went to fight and I, and I totally get it. He was very upset and I get it. We didn't know how bad it was. We didn't know the prognosis at this time. They're just thinking, oh my God, my mother could die three months after my dad, you know? And so I just looked at him and I said, Tanner, I get that you're upset. I get it. We're all upset. We're devastated. We got one more thing we got to deal with, but you cannot relapse. Me and Nikki need you. I said, I need you. Dad's not here. I can't do this by myself. I'm going to have to have surgery. I mean, I've got to go through breast cancer, whatever they tell us. And, you know, me and Nikki need you. We, you cannot relapse over this. And he just looked at me and he said, mom, I won't. And we just hugged each other and cried for quite a while. He did not ever relapse. And he still is in recovery today. Amazing story. Amazing child that he could get through that. So, you know, hopefully, as I told that story, if there's people out there or even recovering addicts, you know, there is hope, you know, you can stay in recovery and have all these physical and emotional traumas happen to you. Because those every single one of those, my therapist tells me, are extremely big physical and emotional traumas that we went through from addiction to the death to the car wreck to breast cancer. There is hope, you know, that um, recovery is possible even when things happen. And like I said, we don't know what triggers are. And these did not trigger him or he was strong enough to fight the thought that he wanted to, to relapse. So and I never asked him if if he wanted to relapse, but he did not. And he's still in recovery today. He's this amazing, beautiful child. huh? We love him. One other thing I really want to say too: um, the one thing that we are so great at is, and if nobody hears me say anything on this show, except this, please, 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 please separate the addict from the person. When your loved one is in survival mode and they are in the thralls of their, that's not who they really are. That's not who my son is. And you have to get over knowing, you know, we know addicts do horrible things when they're in survival mode that we know, we know they do. They know they do. And when they're in recovery, that the last thing they need is us judging them, yelling at them, telling them they're horrible. You have to separate the addict from the person because that's not who Tanner is. Tanner is who he is today. And he is an amazing child. And so if anybody out there doesn't hear anything else, I say that is so critical for the support people to give when they're trying to support their recovering addict. And my son will tell us all the time. It's one of the biggest things that he knows he stays in recovery because we don't judge him. We never throw it in his face. I do ask him if he ever wants to use because, you know, the counselor told me it was my job to make sure he's okay, but we never threw it in his face, all the horrible things he did when he was using. We just don't do any of that. And so if anybody please hear that, that is the most important piece. Not, I mean, 
the story is great. The story is amazing. My son's in recovery, but please hear that. That is the the biggest piece that that I would I would say to anybody that's the or the support. So I'm gonna let Nikki tell you her her role as the the sister, the amazing <laughs> sister. <laughs> so um, obviously, everything that happened, we you know we went through all that together. Um, I was actually the first one who was aware of the drug use, and so. One of his friends, we were all pretty close, um, his friends and my friends, whatever. But one of his friends was like, hey, Tanner is using heroin. And I'm like, what? I don't even know what that is. You know, and they're like, we need to do something to get him help. We, you know, we've got to do something. This isn't, this isn't going to end well. So I confronted him and I was like, hey, are you using heroin? And he was like, no, who told you that? You know, he, he just very, you know, nonchalant about it. And so I just told him, I said, I just want you to know that I know that something is going on and I want you to be aware of that. And I'm going to do whatever I have to, to make sure that you get help. So one thing that I really think is important when you're dealing with and supporting someone in their addictions to let them know that you do love them, that you're going to be there, but you know that something is going on. I'm not just going to let it slide and not just going to let it, you know, go under the rug and we'll just keep living our lives because he may not have had a life to live if we didn't, you know, try to do something to help him or to move forward that way. And then finally he had ended up going to rehab and we went to all of the classes, um, you know, everything, we learned everything that we could, which I think also is a huge thing that makes a big difference for you and for them, because education, I think is so important. It is so easy to say, oh yeah, drug addicts or people with addictions or horrible people, they're awful. They suck. You know, the stigma that is around addicts, but if you really sit down and you're willing to educate yourself and learn and be able to understand the disease, it really makes a big difference from where you're coming from and what support you're willing to offer. I know not everywhere you have the opportunity to attend, you know, 30 days worth of rehab. They do classes every day, um, but there's lots of resources. There's online resources, there's classes, YouTube videos, all sorts of things. And I, I feel like a huge, huge thing that would help end the stigma of addiction is if more people were educated about it. I feel like the only education that we receive or that we hear or understand is to say no which is great until we're past that because a lot of people do get past the say no, you know, there's a lot of other opportunities and ways that we can help people that are struggling with addiction. And I think when we're educated, we're able to make the choices that we need and they need for us to be able to support them. Um, Because people in addiction, almost every single person that's in recovery that I have met or um, encountered say the number one thing that helps them is having support people that are willing to be educated and understand and help them. Like my mom was saying, we're not helping them. We're not helping us by judging them, by condoning their choice to, you know, drink alcohol or do drugs, those type of things. We're kind of just sitting in the cycle. Then we're just spinning in the hamster wheel and nothing's getting done. They're still using we're still mad that they're using, but there's, there's no, you know, nobody's getting off the hamster wheel. So when we educate ourselves and better ourselves to be able to help our addicts, that's where change and, you know, recovery start to come into play. So I think 
you know, that's my number one thing is educate yourself. It's really easy to be judgmental, to judge these people. But I think it's important to remember behind that heroin addict is someone's son and brother and grandson. You know, they, they have purpose. They have a life. They have meaning too. And as a support person, I think the biggest thing that we can do is to help, first of all, educate ourselves and then help them understand that purpose and know that we love them. It's okay. It's okay that you did struggle with a heroin addiction. That doesn't determine who you are for the rest of your life. We all get to have that opportunity to change and to to be better. That's my number one thing that I just try to encourage people to just love them, to educate yourself and to work through it because addiction is a lifelong thing. You're not just one and done after 30 days, you check out a rehab and you're good to go. It is a continuous thing. So if you are committed to supporting someone in addiction, you, you know, you kind of have to better yourself. You have to better your understanding and those type of things to be able to help them. Um, because like we always say, I would much rather learn and go to rehab and, you know, learn the things that I have to, than um, have my brother overdose on heroin because those are kind of our choices. You know, it's not, there's not much in between with drug addiction. Um, it's complex. It's, there's a lot of aspects to it. But once we start to break it down and understand it, we're able to, you know, meet in the middle and to try to overcome addiction and be able to be in recovery, which that's, that's what we're striving for. People are still, they're always, there's always going to be addiction. That's never going to go away. But if we can try to make the difference and, you know, help people get to recovery and stay in recovery, that's the ultimate goal. That's, you know, that that's ideal. If we could just help you know, people, obviously our, my, our brother, her son, that, that was who we were most concerned about. And that's where our eyes were open, but we, we really do, you know, hope that we can just offer some advice or some encouragement to other people that are struggling because it's hard. It's hard to go through addiction. I'm sure from the addict's perspective, it's hard. It's also hard as a support person, but it's necessary. It it's needed. You need to um, step up and do the things that you can to try to make a difference with your addict and those that are struggling to, so they can have, so they can live in recovery so that they can thrive and be able to have a life that's more than just a heroin addict or, you know, an alcoholic or something like that. So. And I would say one thing that I didn't do very well, I enabled him for way too long. And so one other piece of advice and I asked my son the first time we did a show a few months ago, what advice would you give the support people as a recovering addict? And he said, don't love your addict to death because they have got to hit rock bottom. And for me, as soon as I found out, I threw him out. And my son is not one of those that can live on the street. <laughs> uh, he was not going to do that. So that his rock bottom is a lot, you know, better than some, because some will live on the streets and do a lot of stuff before they get to the bottom. But my son was not one that could live in his car or live on the street. So he knew that there was one choice. You go in recovery or you're living on the street. And so I'm very grateful that his rock bottom is a little higher than some, because you do see some really unfortunate things with addiction. And he doesn't ever want to go back to that place. And, and we're very grateful. And like I said, it, it takes a team effort. There's me, her, my son, my son-in-law. We're all in this together. Addiction affected all of us. It wasn't just Hannah's. It was all of ours. And we all, and it's still all of ours. Addiction is a family disease. 
So we're in it together. We're always going to be in it together. And we understand every day he's fighting it every day. Like there's not a pill or a surgery or anything that takes away addiction like any other disease. And we understand that. And I think it's really important to understand that, that we're all in this together and it is a family disease. And, you know, you can, your addict can stay in recovery. I mean, look at ours and our story, you know, so um, there is hope. And if you follow these things, I think it, it, it will really help those people out there. And that's kind of why we do this is to get to the support people because the addicts already know what they're going through, but they, I don't know that the support people always have enough. There's not enough out there. You know what I mean? And I don't think sometimes we didn't know, we didn't do everything right. And we didn't know what to do. So we kind of just learned. So we do this really to um, get out there to those support people and, and tell our story and say, you know, this is so important and you can do this. And of course we love it. You know, <laughs> I know not very many people would say they love addiction. We love addiction. I mean, and as I say, we love addiction. Don't mistake that. I think I'm so happy we went through it or my son went through it, but these are the cards we were dealt. And so instead of making it negative or horrible or anything, we've turned it into something very positive and we're out there trying to help people. And I think that's really uh missing in this country as well. And we don't want to be those people because we could, our Tanner's doing great. We could just go home and live our happy life. You know, hopefully this gets out to some people and usually we get messaged or whatever, <laughs> you know, you can message me on uh, Instagram, Christy Chavez, and that's our story. That was, that was like something out of a movie. That was, that was a very insane story. I, and I appreciate you guys sharing that. I don't know. I can't speak for the support people that were in my life, but from the conversations that I've had with my mom, I think that she blamed herself for a lot of my behaviors. And I think that she still at times carries a lot of guilt and thinking if, if she had done something different or, or if there was something that she could have changed in like my upbringing that maybe I wouldn't have, have turned to drugs and I would say that she is probably what would be defined as like a classic enabler. So what kind of messages would you say to those support people? Because I know a lot, I know, at least from my experience, like my mom blames herself a lot. That's a great question. And we always say, get over it. As the support people, you have to get over it. Even if something happened that, you, you know, something happened in your childhood or whatever that kind of drove them to drugs. There were other choices an addict could make. And it's not your fault that their brain chemistry, they're addicts. So like a lot of people do alcohol and drugs and they're not addicts. So we always say, get over yourself because it's now about the addict. So, and we never blamed ourselves because Tanner from the beginning said, I did this of my own free will, my family, nobody blames my family as we went through rehab and we didn't blame ourselves. Even, you know, I made mistakes. She made, I mean, people make mistakes. It doesn't mean I'm going to forever think, oh my God, I'm the reason my son's a heroin addict. That's, that's not the answer either, because then your mother is probably not as effective either. You know, your support, the support people, again, Remember what this is about. This isn't about you anymore. You're trying to save. 
your child or husband or date or friend or whatever. And that is the most important thing. And there's no room for judgment, guilt, shame, any of those things when we're in recovery. It's important to understand where all sides are coming from, because like we've kind of talked about, it's not just Uh, my brother's a heroin addict because that affects me different than it affects her, that it affects him, Um, you know, kind of things like that. But I would really just encourage people that are feeling down or feeling like things are their fault is looking into like the dynamics of addiction, because um, like she said, even if something did happen in your childhood or, you know, things like that, there's a lot more to addiction than, oh yeah, this is my mom's fault. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her, you know, spanking me when I was a kid or, or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever the background thing is here. Addiction is a lot bigger than that. It's usually not just one thing that caused this huge downward spiral and these effects or, you know, things like that. I also think it's important for support people that are feeling that way to work through their feelings. It's fair for them too to have those feelings and to be able to feel like that and have those thoughts. But to let them consume you for the rest of your life is almost the same as just throwing your addict's addiction in their face for the rest of their life. Well, you were a heroin addict, so you're probably this, this, and this. It, it just doesn't offer any Um, positive feelings or um, you're not benefiting from those feelings the same as you're not benefiting from addiction. So um, addicts have to go through a lot of things to work through their addiction. And I can definitely see that family and support and um, outsiders do as well because it does affect them also. But I think just recognizing, okay, these are my feelings. This is where it's coming from. Therapy is a good option. I'm a very big advocate of therapy. If you're struggling with something, you know, they can really help you to get through things like that or just educating yourself. I think sitting down with your attic and stay and just having a conversation like, okay, I have these feelings. This is what I'm feeling inside. Talk to me about it. Do you feel, you know, do you think these type of things, you know, cause these, what can we do to get to a middle ground to move on? Because ultimately we're not going to, we don't want to live in addiction forever. Um, obviously we still have that as part of us, but we want to live in recovery, you know, where we're thriving, where we're able to um, move on, where we're able to focus on the future And living in the past and worrying is kind of taking that joy away from, you know, either side, whether it's, you know, struggling with addiction or um, someone worried that they caused part of the addiction or, you know, things like that. I would say just work through it and try to let go of it because it's not going to change anything. It's happened. You, you know, you, you were an addict, you, you know, you use those type of things. So that's great. Whatever caused it, it happened. And now we're going to move on and look for, you know, the brighter side and, enjoy recovery together. I think that's important. <laughs> right. I love the, I love the points you're making. I love the emphasis on education. I think that's a, a, a great point to make. And that's one of the, that's one of the things that I know that my mom did, at least in the beginning as she was doing, I think she went to Al-Anon meetings and was getting connected with some of the people in, in that program to kind of get some ideas of, of how to help. And I think that that really really helped her out a lot. I know she got a, a few different books and whatnot and was trying to do her best to, to educate herself. But I've, uh, but like over the years, as I've been in recovery, we occasionally we'll have these conversations and I, I always reassure her, like, it wasn't anything that you did. You didn't do anything wrong. It was me. Like there was something in my brain that I wanted to try drugs. And once I tried them, I really liked them and I didn't want to stop. Right. And 99.9% of addicts that I have met say that exact same thing. Like it wasn't you, it was me. And you know, it's, it is what it is. It, it's part of the disease. Right. 
Because a lot of people, not drugs, but a lot, a lot of people try alcohol and they're not addicts. How many people in this country do you think have tried alcohol? A lot. And so, you know, it's a predetermination too, you know, with your brain and stuff, if you're an addict. So, you know, I I mean, we got to keep that in mind too. You know, when you're kids and you're teenagers, you're going to try stuff. You just, I'm not saying drugs, but I would say alcohol. I would say a lot of kids and a lot of people in this country, a lot, a lot, if we checked on the statistics, uh, have tried alcohol, which you can get addicted to that as well. Ours just happens to be heroin, which is horrifying, but um, not any worse than anything else. But it's like heroin. Oh, God. <laughs> I, we understood alcohol. We were stunned. Heroin. Where do you even get heroin? <laughs> oh, my God. We were. <laughs> so, yeah. Great question, though. Well, and and wrapping things up, I know you mentioned your Instagram page. Are there any other social media platforms or any other way that the listeners can get a hold of you if they want to talk to you about questions of being a support person or they just need to vent or whatever the circumstances may be? Is there other, other places they can contact you guys? There isn't currently. We are in the process of doing that because we do want to get out there. Um, I think we we have a lot to offer people. Of course, with COVID-19, it's, it's a nightmare. Social media is kind of the only platform. Um, but right now, Instagram is my only account. But they can just do Christy Chavez. And if they DM me, just make sure they put addiction or something about addiction because I get DM'd a lot from not addiction people. You know, it's, it's social media, right? Awful. So just make sure they put addiction or something and I will instantly you know, DM back, or they can follow me on Instagram. If there's something, hopefully it says something addiction, because I do get a lot of follows a day. And so um, I'm always available to help anybody or answer anything or vent or because I get it. We live, we lived it. And while we had each other, um, which was amazing, um, not everybody has that, you know, me, my husband, Nikki, Lance. So I get that sometimes, and sometimes an outside person is better to talk to. Like she said, therapy, I was not always for me, like about therapy, but I started seeing a therapist after some other things that happened. And I'm telling you, they, they really are amazing resource to just help you get to, you know, whatever it is that you can't figure out, you know, that you're going through. So even just talking to someone like us, cause we've lived through, and again, let us be clear. We're not, we're not doctors. We're not anybody, but there is no book on being a support person. Like there's a, here's what addiction is. It's in your brain. It's this, there is no right or wrong answer being the support people. This is just what we did. This is how we did it. And so that's another challenge, you know, finding resources about being the support person, because it has to be based on everybody's experience because there's no medical documentation on being a support person. But we are happy. We're happy to answer any questions. Um, If you have any questions, concerns, even if you're just looking for a place to start, like, hey, where do I find something to educate me on an addict? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could definitely reach out right now. Instagram is um, the best way to reach us until we can get things moving forward um, with our support group. And we're really and if I didn't say we're really grateful that you had us do this. Um, we really should do our own, <laughs> but it's so nice to just, we just come, we do it and we go on with our life and you get a deal with everybody gets to do it. So it's been kind of a, 
<laughs> a win-win, you know what I mean? But we really should start doing one and, and we'll think about it, but. And we appreciate you just right. um, having a different perspective on um, mm-hmm. just somebody uh, as support. And like I said earlier, we just want to be able to spread that, that uh, the support people are important too. And um, you know, we, you do play a role in the addiction. So we're glad that you, you were able to have us and that we could talk a little bit about that and, you know, just share a little bit of the huge stigma that's going on with addiction. So um, we, we really appreciate you and what you're right. doing also. Right. I'm thinking it would be so much easier for the support people to talk about it. Cause there isn't a stigma around the support people. Right. Nobody says, oh, my God, Christy, you're so horrible for saving your kid. But they say, oh, my God, you're using heroin or you're an alcohol. You know what I mean? So it's really odd to me that more support. And again, there could be a lot more out there. We just haven't found it. But every site that has come to us, it's the the recovering addict. There's only one site that found me. And she is a true support person out of all the people we've done these for. And it's really interesting that the support people, there's not more of that. So but we love it. Well, thank you again. That was, that was great. I really appreciate you sharing the story and, man, that was quite a story. And and just, I can tell how much you guys care about, about your son slash brother and, and other recovering addicts and being there. And I really, I really appreciate you guys sharing that message. And, and I look forward to see what you guys have planned for the future possible podcast or website or whatever it is you guys are working on. I'm excited. So thank you again for coming on today. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much for coming on the show today and sharing your incredible story. If you guys need support or need someone to talk to, please reach out to Christy and Nicole. Thanks again. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.